0: Right before we started the ministry, I had this encounter. I went to a summer camp meeting up at Pastor Rodney and Adonica's in Tampa. And it was July the 5th, 2007. And I was in the meetings. I had taken a whole youth group up there. Actually, the lady in South Africa, Melanie, Uh, She was in those meetings with us. She was part of our youth group, and we went to the meetings in Tampa. And Pastor Rodney came and laid hands on all of us. And when he laid his hands on me, he turned. And as he turned, I got hit by what I call lightning. That's the only way to describe it, because something exploded inside of me, and I saw bright white light that was overwhelming. And I fell to the ground, and when we got back, you know, all you know is you got hit by light. You don't know what that means. Monday morning, I woke up, and I knew things about this journey that I'd never studied or learned before. And for a period of three months, the Lord took me on a journey out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. And I spent three months writing this whole vision out. And then... We had a prophet come into town at the church where I was. And I don't like getting words from prophets because when they give you words, you're going to have to fight for your life. It's going to have to be a word that you stand on because all hell is going to break loose when you get a word from a real prophet. Look at the person next to you and say, the real word from God, real word God. enters you into a battle. And people want to run around and get words. (laughs) Let me tell you something. When God gives you an assignment and a battle is attached to it because he's sending you to take territory and to take down giants. But if God is with you, then you will overcome every challenge and every battle that you will face. The only reason the Lord is leading you into battle is so that he can show you his victory on the battlefield. The power of God is only displayed on the battlefield. You can have faith all day long, but you're not going to see the power of God move until you step onto the battlefield and fight. You don't need the presence and the power of God sitting on your couch. But when you, when you face a demonic stronghold, you need the power of God so that you can deliver the captives and set them free. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so that weekend, I was dodging this prophet lady. I didn't want to talk to her. But before she left, she hunted me down. And she found me. And she pulled my pastors, And she said, this man's life is getting ready to change radically. Everything about his life, the way he talks, the way he walks, the way he thinks, the way he lives. Everything about him is getting ready to change. So I sat there, I looked at her, I was like, fine. (laughs) The next morning... After the weekend, I went to the office. It was my day off, but I was bored. I went in. They were busy. I didn't have anything to do. And when I got to the office, I felt this urgency to go home because the Lord wanted to talk to me. And so I got in my vehicle. I left. And as I was driving home, the closer I got to the house, the more this urgency began to grow in me. And so when I walked into the front doors, I lifted my hands and I said, Lord, what is it? What do you want to show me? What do you want to tell me? And I said, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. And I went into an encounter and the Lord took me to the cross in this encounter. And Jesus was hanging on the cross with this white robe around his waist. And the Lord spoke to me and said, when Jesus was hung on the cross, he wasn't wearing that white robe that you saw him wearing in the Catholic Church. He was hung naked and ashamed. He says, you've been using your talents, your gifts, and abilities to cover your nakedness, but the enemy sees right through it, and he mocks you. But Jesus was hung naked and ashamed to strip you of your shame so you could wear the glory that man lost in the Garden of Eden. And when he said that to me, I began to weep uncontrollably. And then the Lord said to me, no one lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel, but he puts it on a lampstand for everyone to see. And when he said that, I knew that I needed to take the vision he had given me and put it on a lampstand and we needed to start the church. I also knew that I could not hide it under another man's covering. It would have to be done by us. And then the Lord said to me, the enemy's plan is to divide and conquer and I'm calling you to restore relationships so my people can prosper. And so my assignment is to... Remove the barriers that are holding you in bondage. All these things that are standing in the way of you having your encounter with God and coming out of captivity in Egypt and living in the will of God in the promised land. That's my assignment. My assignment is to remove every blockage in your heart and everything that the enemy has got you bound in that's keeping you out of your assignment and out of your relationship with the Lord. And the purpose of this is so that you can be prosperous in every area of your life. You cannot have God in your life and your life not be blessed and your life not prosper. It is impossible. But God can only work to the measure that you surrender. Look at somebody and tell them, God can only work in your life in the measure that you're willing to surrender. I read this uh, scripture that just shocked me, but I want to read it to you tonight. The book of John, 1 John, Now I'll read chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know Him. People that live in the world that don't know God, they, they, they don't understand this whole thing about us being children of God. You cannot expect people who don't know God to understand this. Yeah. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not, show, not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as He is pure. So if we have this eager expectation that Christ is returning, we will live lives of purity. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because we don't know when He's coming. And we're working every day. It is a process. Look at somebody and tell them it's it's a process. It is a journey leaving Egypt, leaving captivity, walking away from this. When you're bound by things that you don't even know have you bound, you just have to make a decision. I'm running after God with all my heart, soul, and strength, and God will deliver me from all that stuff. Let me say it again. If you want to be free, run to God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Get desperate, and God will deliver you. But it is going to take you making a decision that I am done where I am. I am no longer living in this place. I am moving forward. And the only direction I'm going is God. I'm not running into the world. I'm not running deeper into the things of the world. I'm going to run deeper into the things of God and the kingdom of God. But we cannot be indifferent. Be hot, be cold, pick a side. But don't be lukewarm. Because lukewarm people have their hearts divided between the world and between God, and they'll get nothing from the Lord. Nudge the person next to you and say it's according to your desire. It's according to your now, this is where it gets serious. Look at the person next to you and tell them you'll be alright. Right. Hold it. Hold your place there. Go to, go to Galatians, because I know I've been reading this on Sundays, but I want to read it again because there are some people here who may not have heard this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. When you live in this place of Egypt bound to sin, your life naturally produces things. Say it's natural. It's natural. And these things will come naturally. Sexual immorality, impurity lustful pleasures, idolatry, that's the worship of idols, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Say quarreling. My wife and I, we don't quarrel, ever. We don't. Do we quarrel? It's not quarreling. It's, we come into agreement about stuff, but we don't fight. We don't have fights. Maybe one or two. But that's when we were still coming out of Egypt. You're thinking like old days. Listen, I have no record of it. I have no record of it. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that life cannot inherit this life. If you're stuck in this life, you cannot have that because it's either this or that. There's no mixture. You cannot be in two places at one time. You cannot be in the flesh and in Christ at the same time. You're in one of two places. And you can visit the kingdom or you can live in the kingdom. You can visit on Sundays the presence, but then you go back to living there. And you need to make a decision that I'm not just visiting. I'm going to abide and I'm going to live in this place. Can I get an Amen. Now, with that being said, let's go back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. Can you, can you put the scriptures up? Is there anybody back there? All right, that's fine. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they do what? They belong to the devil. That's in the Bible. If you refuse to let your sin go, it means that you love the devil using your body to do sinful actions, the work of the devil. Look at somebody and say, When I participate in the works of the devil. Find somebody else. Say, When I participate in the sins of Galatians chapter 5, I am serving the devil's will. It's in your Bible. We say we we belong to God. That means this is a holy temple... And it is only used to do righteous things. And you say, well, I'm stuck. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to be divided in my heart anymore. I don't want to have jealousy anymore. I don't want to sleep around anymore. I don't want to get drunk anymore. I don't want to live in the world anymore. But I'm struggling. Look at the person next to you say, it's going, to right. it's going to be all right. Because the very next words, verse says, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Say, the Son of God, Son of God came, came to destroy, to destroy the, works of the, the works of the devil. That means when Jesus sets you free, you will forever be free. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? But you need to make a decision that if I'm stuck in that stuff that's holding me in bondage and holding me in captive, I'm a gossip, I can't get my mouth in order. I get outbursts of anger and I'm angry and I'm upset and my emotions are like a roller coaster. And I'm complaining and I'm jealous and I'm envying and I'm wishing I was somebody else and I hate my life. If you are trapped in that, medication isn't going to help you. Psychiatrists are not going to help you. They'll teach you how to manage it, but they can't set you free from it. They will pill you. They'll put you on medication. They will medicate you. But they cannot set you free. There's only one that can set you free. His name is Jesus. And he's the deliverer. And when He delivers you from Egypt, you will be free from Egypt. Can I get an amen? Amen. He will destroy the works of the devil that the enemy is working through you. He'll destroy those bondages. He'll break those chains and He'll set the captive free. That's what He does. Do you know that the Holy Ghost... Look at somebody and tell them, do you know... know that That the Holy Ghost is a warrior... He he led Jesus to go face the devil in the wilderness. When David got anointed, he was led to take down Goliath. When Moses got anointed, he took down Pharaoh. When Joshua got anointed, he took down the giants. Anytime the Lord visits you and anoints you, he sends you into battle. To do what? To destroy the works of the devil Amen. to set the captives free. Amen. So I have good news for you. If you're struggling with some Egyptian stuff, there is one who can save you. There's one who can deliver you. The one who is, the one can heal you and fix you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you will run to him, if you will cry out to him, if you will search for him and make him the only one that you run to, he'll do his work. And he will destroy the works of the devil. Can I get an amen? amen? Look at the person next to you and tell him, You're not a sinner. Not a sinner. You are the righteousness, the righteousness of God. And whatever things you you're, still with, you're still struggling with, Jesus is going to set you free. Jesus set you free. Can I get an amen? amen. amen. Yeah. Exodus chapter 20. These are the commands that God gave to Moses. The Ten Commandments. Look at someone and say Ten Commandments. Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You have no other gods before me. In Egypt, these guys worshipped a whole slew of gods. They worshipped many gods. And so God sent 10 plagues to show that he had more power than the gods of Egypt. Each plague showed that he was more powerful than the God they were trusting to stop that plague from happening. So for instance, they served happy. I don't know how happy she was. Happy, the God of the Nile. And happy, the God of the Nile they believed would cause the Nile to flood to make the soil fertile. And so what God did was he sent Moses and Aaron to the water and he said, turn the water into blood. And when they turned the water into blood, the fish died and the river stank and for seven days the water was undrinkable to show them that they had power over the God of happy. What was very interesting is that God's prophets was Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh's magicians, he had his guys there too. And those guys came and they were able to do the same sign. They took water and they turned it into blood. So Pharaoh's heart was hard. See, because Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said, Let God's people go. Why? So that they can come into the wilderness to worship me. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened against them and said no. So then what happened? They sent, God sent another plague. And this time, Hecate, I don't know if I'm getting these names right, but Hecate, Heket, <laughs> Heket <laughs> was the God of fertility, the God of the water, the God of birth and rebirth, and had the head of a frog. And so, from the water, from the river again, God sent a plague of frogs that went into every person's house. It was in their clothing. It was in their food. It was everywhere. They, could, they had millions of frogs, a swarm of frogs, for God to show them that their God, Hecate, was once again defeated. The next God was Geb, the god of the earth, or the god of the dust of the ground. And what happened was Moses smited. I don't know if you smite something. He sm- smote. smote. I guess he hit the dust of the ground. And it caused the dust to turn into lice that covered the people and the cattle. So here they have... You know how bad it is to get lice out of your hair. All the dust in the land became lice and attacked not the Israelites, only the Egyptians. And Pharaoh's magicians could turn water into blood and they could make frogs come from the water. But they could not turn dust into lice. And the magicians realized this is the finger of God. Only God can do this. And so Pharaoh, of course, he's like, fine, I'll let you people go. Get rid of the lice. And so got rid of the lice and then he reneged on his promise. Hardened his heart against the Lord. So what happened? God hit, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Hepri, whatever, the God of creation, who had the face of a fly. So God sent a swarm of flies into the land. It was like darkness, flies coming into the land. It only again affected the Egyptians, but it did not touch the Israelites. I want you to know and understand that when you're in the kingdom of God, the plagues and the problems that are hitting the world will not touch you. And so once again, God showed that he was the God of creation, not this God, Hepri, that they were serving. And so once again, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And so he sent another plague, Hathor, the goddess of love and protection. And what did he do? He sent disease to kill the livestock, killed the horses, it killed the cattle. And it created an economic disaster in the land of Egypt. It affected their food. It affected their transportation. It affected Pharaoh's military power. Farming and the goods that were produced and caused an economic disaster by killing the livestock in the land to prove that Hathor, the god of love and protection, had no power to protect them, that only God could provide protection. So I want you to see and understand that these plagues, they weren't just plagues. They were judgments of God on the people because of the gods they worshipped. And God wanted to prove that He was the one and only true God. And that's why He says to Moses here, He says to him, You'll have no other gods before me because I am the one and only true God. And you will not create craven images and you will not bow down to any images Because I alone stand as God. And he was proving to his people that he was their God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And that he was supreme and that he had the power to deliver his people. What is really interesting is that God gave Pharaoh 10 opportunities to repent. God gave Pharaoh 10 opportunities to turn his heart And to obey God. But he refused to obey God. And because of his refusal to obey God, he was experiencing the judgments of God. And family, when we live in sin and we refuse to turn our hearts to God, we come under the judgment of God. And we're in this place where we're living in the world and the wages of sin is death. And we're getting hit with things and we feel like we're under a curse. But because our lifestyle is producing something. The goddess of medicine and peace was Isis. And so what happened? They took ashes from the furnaces and threw it into the air in front of Pharaoh. And it caused boils and sores to break out on all the Egyptian people instantly. The magicians now had these sores on them. And the Egyptian people were a people that believed in cleanliness. And because they were now unclean, the magicians could no longer perform their ceremonial duties. They could no longer stand before Pharaoh. And so we don't hear about the magicians anymore. We don't hear about Pharaoh's sorcerers and magicians from this point on. That means God's holy men, Aaron and Moses, were true prophets of God. Nut, or Nut, whatever you want to call it, the goddess of the sky destroyed the crops of flax and barley, clothing, and their drink offerings that were poured out as sacrifices to their gods. And the plague that came was hail and lightning or fire that was rained down from heaven to destroy the sun god. This was the second most worshipped god in Egypt. Egypt. The God that they worshipped above all was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the supreme God. And Ra, the God of the sun, they sent the plague of darkness that was so thick you could tangibly feel the darkness. And the darkness was only in Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. Once again, God showing the difference between the people that serve him and those that serve other gods. And because Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he refused to obey, the final plague was on Pharaoh himself and Pharaoh's house. And God sent the death angel. And the death angel killed his firstborn son that was supposed to take the throne to prove to Pharaoh that he had no power as a god to protect life. And because God killed his son, he was so angry he let the people go. But this is what the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron. He said to them on the night that this plague where the death angel was coming, that they needed to take a lamb. They needed to slaughter the lamb. They needed to roast the meat with bitter herbs. And then they needed to take the blood of the lamb with hyssop and put it on the doorposts of the house. And at night... When the death angel would pass over, if there was the blood of the lamb on the doors of the house, anyone in the house, death would not touch them. That they would be saved from death. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He is the one that takes away the sin of the world. And when we believe in Jesus and we come to the cross, the blood of Jesus is what covers us and protects us And make sure that when we die, we will not experience the second death, but that we will live with God forever. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so what I want you to know and understand is that God loves you. And because God loves you, He sent His Son, His one and only Son, to lay down His life, to shed His blood. And it is that blood, the pure, spotless blood of the Lamb, that washes us and cleanses us and if we're cleansed of sin, we become children of God. And family, I want you to know, no matter what it is that you've been struggling with in your household, in your family, in your life, it doesn't matter how long you've been struggling with this, there is a God who knows you, who loves you, who hears you, who sees you. And He's ready to save and deliver all who will come to Him and cry out to Him. Amen? Amen. And so tonight, as we're getting ready to close... I want us to make some declarations. I want you to stand with me tonight because it's very important for us to understand that we need to turn our backs on sin and that we need to put our faith in God and God alone. And this is a command from the Lord. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I'm the one who's going to deliver you out of sin. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Listen. Punishing the children for the sins of their parents to the third and the fourth generation for those who hate me. When we refuse to live for God, there is a curse that comes not only on you but on your children and your grandchildren. And this weekend, tonight, right here tonight, we're going to break all of that. But it comes with you making a decision that you will forsake every other practice. It also says you will not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. So from now on, if you stub your foot, you can say, oh, Buddha. <laughs> you can say, oh, Muhammad. You can say, oh, Hari Krishna. But you will not say, Jesus, taking the Lord's name in vain. You will keep the name of the Lord holy. You will not misuse His name. Because it's by that name that we are saved. It is the name above every name to which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so you can irritate some people around you. If they use the name of Jesus in vain, you can say, Oh, Buddha, take some other person's name in vain. Why does Jesus get all the credit? Why won't they use anybody else's name? And then it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You've got to separate a day a week to serve God, to honor His name. Can I get an amen? amen. First Samuel 15, 23 says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, He has rejected you. The Amplified Classic says, For rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination, which is fortune-telling, and disobedience as serious as a false religion and idolatry. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. It says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, Never sacrifice your sons or daughters as burnt offerings. And do not let people practice fortune-telling, sorcery, interpreting omens, or engaging in witchcraft, casting spells, or function as mediums or psychics, or calling forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And it is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you're about to displace consult sorcerers, fortune tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. So family, I want you to know that we're no longer reading our horoscopes. You say you serve the Lord. Then you don't need to read a horoscope to let you know what's in your future. Because you've got the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will show you what's in the heart of God for your life and He will teach you about what's coming. You don't have to consult a medium. You don't have to consult a psychic. You don't have to consult any sorcerer, magician, or any other type of prophet. You can come to the Lord Himself and the Lord will speak to you about who you are and where He's taking you. Another thing, we're not mixing religions. We're not taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that and concocting and forming our own religion. If you will put your whole heart and soul into searching the Lord, as Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you will search for him with all your heart, you will find him. Yes. Amen. And so the thing is, we're not willing to do what is required of us to hear from heaven. So we say it doesn't work and then we go meddle with other things that are detestable to God. And call ourselves Christians. And so we are cleansing ourselves from this impurity. Can I get an amen? Amen. And we're not going to let our children practice these things either. And we're going to teach our children what the Lord detests. And we're going to love the things the Lord loves. And we're going to hate the things the Lord hates. And this is something that the Lord hates. Amen? Amen? So tonight... As we stand here, we're not judging anybody. But I grew up in a family where my aunt read to me my coffee cup and the tea leaves. And I had a girlfriend that, you know, her mom would visit a, a psychic. And you should visit the psychic too. That didn't turn out all right. It ended in disaster. Everything she said was a lie. So you repent of that. And I'm not feeding into that. And I'm not looking for any other source except the one source of God and God alone. And I'm going to put all my trust in Him. And I'm going to separate myself from every other practice that is unholy. Can I get an amen? Lift your hands to heaven. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father tonight. I've come to the decision and I have decided, let it be recorded in heaven and let it be recorded here on earth, that there is only one God, there's only one true God. And that true God is God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is my creator, He is my God, and He's the only one that I serve. And I denounce. And I renounce every other God and every other practice. And from this day forward, I will only practice the things that are biblical and that are holy unto God. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me and to cleanse me from every word that I have taken, that I believed. And I ask you, God, to break those words. And they will have no effect of my life. And I ask you, God, that you will speak to me. That the holy God will speak words of life. And he will come and inscribe on the tablets of my heart. I want to know your will, God. I want to do your will, God. And from this day forward, I will worship you. I'll only bow down to you. And I'll only serve you. No other, God no other God will I serve. Will I serve. No, other name no other name am I trusting in to save me, to deliver me, to heal me, to provide for me, to lead me, to guide me other than the name of Jesus. And I declare tonight that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He died and God raised Him from the dead. And I put my trust in Jesus Christ. In Jesus. And I declare that you are my God, you are my, you Savior. Are my, Savior. You are my Savior, and I will only serve you. I will serve you. You alone. Come on, let's bow the knee to Him. The Bible says that every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, Father, tonight we bow the knee. and We surrender our lives. And we declare that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is Lord. And Father, I thank you now. You see our hearts. You see our commitment. I thank you for your forgiveness. Father, I ask now that every weight of bondage would break off your people. Every place where we have been bound, I thank you that as we surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we become his property. We surrender our lives into his hands and he cares for us. He leads us, he guides us, he provides for us, he teaches us. We come under the shadow of the Almighty, under His protection. And Lord, we come to you. You are a strong tower, and we trust you with our lives. And Lord, we thank you that you are our God, and we declare that we are your people. And Father, I ask that you would favor us, that you would cause your face to shine upon us, and Father, that Because we serve you and love you, there will be a clear distinction between us and those who serve other gods. And I thank you that you have made an oath and you have made a promise that you will certainly bless us, the seed of Abraham. And Father, tonight, every spiritual blessing that's available in Christ Jesus, I pronounce your blessing upon your people and I thank you that we are the blessed of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get an amen? amen. You opened up my eyes to so much more. I saw the scene in the The moment you came down and